Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, welcome to My First Time, a mostly sexy sex podcast from Broadly. My name is Zing Sing. I was very much like dominated or I allowed myself to be dominated. I, I was very much like wanting to please them and never really thought about what I was getting from it. Today on My First Time... How does an eating disorder affect your sex life? Hi, my name is Laura and this is my story of how I discovered my sexual self in recovery from an eating disorder. At least 30 million people in the US have an eating disorder, according to the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders. That's millions of people of all ages and genders dealing with life, school, work or family or whatever, while also handling a serious mental health issue. Our guest today, Laura Hearn, has spoken about having an eating disorder on her online platform, Jigsy, but she's never spoken about her sex life in relation to her mental health. Laura has worked through relapses, recovery, and now reflection. This is her story. It was really like when I was 10 or 11, and I was quite chubby. I never binge, but I overate on like cereals and things and pick it like bits of chocolate or pieces of cake but never quite eat the whole thing and I was quite bullied and I think it was quite a vulnerable age my parents had split up and I just I just didn't like my body I felt like I was heavy and that kind of went on pretty much throughout my teens but then when I was 17 18 um it got worse there was a catalyst for it my stepfather was killed suddenly in a car crash and I'd gone traveling I remember I, we went to an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet and we were like sort of you know bit short of cash and stuff and I had this overwhelming thought or desire to go to the toilet and just get rid of everything I'd eaten never done it before and I hadn't even overeaten but from there it was really that kind of continued throughout my traveling with my friend until it got too so bad that she kind of noticed it and I thought I don't know something switched in my head I was like well it's obviously much easier just to not eat and so I just began restricting restricting and when I returned I kind of lost a bit of weight and everyone congratulated on me and was like oh you look really great and I guess it, I don't know, a normal person may have just stopped there, but it, it, something had gone in my head and I just couldn't stop and I rapidly lost weight within sort of six months, over-exercising, lying, getting changed back into my clothes after going to the gym. And I actually, I don't even know who I was. I was actually some monster had overtaken my head and I was lying and throwing food over the garden fence and like, you know, I crashed my car and then my family were like, okay, you have to get some help. At that sort of time, eating sores weren't really, weren't really known about that much. My family didn't really know much about them. This was sort of 10 years ago, I guess. And I went into some sort of private treatment. That didn't work before I went to, went to university. And I kind of 
somehow got myself through university by I relapsed and I had more time off and then I guess I was kind of an existing anorexic in a way I was sort of like just on the tip of the iceberg holding down a job my social life was pretty non-existent I was relapsing I couldn't quite get treatment on the NHS like sort of not quite ill enough but even though I felt like I was dying in my head so I did private treatment that never really quite I just never found anything that really inspired me to get well or I couldn't. I was, it was all about dealing with my emotions and um, it was never about like looking in a magazine or stepping on scales and wanting to be some supermodel. It was like I had a, a really ingrained sense of self-hate and punishment and guilt around my stepfather's death and trying to match the standards of my real father, trying to get attention and just I hated myself. I had so, no confidence and my identity had then become my eating disorder. For Laura, her eating disorder had a direct impact on her dating life. She's had two meaningful romantic relationships, one at college, while she was dealing with her eating disorder, and she's in one right now in London. It's not something I am proud of or I'm boastful about, but I slept with a lot of people, but I actually couldn't tell you the names of them. I, I feel it's like a really strange thing. I couldn't tell you that I was not connected to them in any particular way. Like I felt like my body was a bit of a, a vehicle. And it's only since I've been with my current partner that I realised that actually I was I was not really a part of any sexual encounter I had. I was very much like dominated or I allowed myself to be dominated. I, I was very much like wanting to please them and never really thought about what I was getting from it. And I guess I I guess I wasn't like hugely shy about it. I just never enjoyed sex ever. Like it and, and also I guess at uni I was quite sexually active and then when I went traveling I was but then there was a whole chunk of my 20s where like nothing happened and then there was a period of time in my 20s where I did the whole tinder thing and I had lots of you know some one night stands I remember there was one session I had in a in a therapy session it was it was called sex and relationships and I was just so freaked out by it I was like oh my god like I just couldn't talk about it. I was so shy about it. And, and yeah, I just, uh, it was a whole area that was just shut off for me. And when you have an eating disorder, like you, you don't have, just you don't produce the hormones. So it wasn't like I was ever like wanting sex either. It was like something that was just not part of my life in a way. You can't actually have a relationship when you have an eating disorder because there's three of you in it. Like you can't be present. And I, I do remember the first time I, um, you know, we had dinner or something and I kind of did freak out about something. And um, and now that, that same meal is like chicken goujons, which I love, and chips and peas. I asked for like one dinner for our Valentine's and I was like, just make me that. And I remember the first time we cooked it, I was just, like a bit freaking out about the amount of oil. But yeah, you and you can't consistently keep that up because you can, you can hide it for a bit, but you can't ever really and you also you never let anyone in completely like there's always this barrier that you're keeping something from someone and and sex with someone that you're like without the emotional side to it is just it's just an act there's no kind of intimacy and before I met him like I didn't even know what it was to have pleasure myself like I remember him asking me one time like so what do you like or what do you want and I was like what (laughs) what do you mean I don't know I literally don't know yeah, it's a really strange one. Like, you just can't have a meaningful relationship when you have an eating disorder. And I guess probably he is probably one of my biggest gifts that I've had in recovery. Someone who's so, like, supportive and so... Just never made me feel strange at all. And that actually it was, like, it was a two-way thing to have sex. It's not just one way. Like, it's not just, like, it's all about him. And then I'm just like... But I didn't know any difference, so I thought that that was okay. 
it's not like I was abused or, you know, like, but I, when I look back on it, it was like, oh my God, I would never allow my body to be treated with such like little disrespect now. And um, well, I've never shared this before, but I didn't even have an orgasm until I met Matt properly. I feel I've had so much shame around that. Like it was just such a crazy thing. Like, but I feel like I need to like talk about it because I probably am, I, I, I can't believe I'm the only one even if you have got an eating disorder or not an eating disorder, but like I had never like even investigated myself at all. <laughs> it was like, no, I felt like that was a dirty thing to do. Like it was a really shameful thing to do. In 2012, our guest Laura went into treatment for her eating disorder with a seven-month programme at a clinic in the US. It changed her whole life, physically, mentally and sexually. I think actually when I came out of the clinic, I began to be a bit more sexually active or like wanting to meet someone I guess but that was all doing like the tinder thing and <laughs> it was inevitably you know um meeting a guy for a couple of weeks and then you know it doesn't there's nothing you didn't hear from them again where it works out so then I started to think okay so they might find me attractive but they don't want to stay with me so that thing gives you another reason it's like okay so what's wrong with my personality like it was always wrong with my body and now it's my personality and I guess when looking back at it now, I think it's because still I wasn't quite... Obviously, I probably hadn't read the, met the right person. I was looking in the wrong places. But I still wasn't really comfortable or able to feel enough worth in myself to, to get put a boundary in. Like, and I now have boundaries. I have a voice. So maybe that is giving me more self-respect about what I want or what I don't want. But, I mean, you know, meeting Matt was something... was completely random. And I always thought I'd love to meet someone, like, organically. But it never happens anymore because, like... My friends have got boyfriends or girlfriends and you don't meet them. I mean, you know, like, it's not that easy to meet people, but it was at a work event and um, random. He doesn't really, he says he doesn't really go out that much and I was at a work event and we just met. And um, I remember sort of thinking, oh, you know, we were about to go on our first date and I was walking down the chief station, Oxford Circus, and the reception was going out, but I waited at the top of the platform and I said, oh, look, I just need to tell you something before we meet. Because I was like, if he really likes me, I don't want to get really, like... Um, worried that if I tell him then he won't want to meet me and I just need to get this out of the way and I was like oh, I've got something to tell you you can totally be fine and not meet me tomorrow or whatever he was like okay what like what he was like, I think he thought I was going to say I was married or something I said oh well I'm just like uh, uh, still having some treatment or therapy for an eating disorder I kind of got it out like that and I was like so it's totally fine if you don't want to meet me tomorrow he was like yeah okay and is that what you were going to say and I was like yeah and I was like well I'm still meeting you tomorrow I was like, oh my God, thank, thank goodness. And, um, and luckily I was in a place, if I was in a place still where I was like, you know, was really in my eating disorder, then I wouldn't have been open to it. He would have been open to me maybe and I just knew it wouldn't work. But I was, you know, in a pretty good, good place. And, um, and yeah, I kind of went from there. And um, yeah, like he's always accepted me as I am. And like, my, he's been very supportive. And I mean, I've never experienced sex like I have like I have with him I felt quite still felt quite shamed at the beginning and I think he would probably say I was a little bit like I don't know what he would say actually but maybe he would notice the difference now that I'm much more free and playful maybe or yeah yeah I, I actually never think about it. I actually never thought I'd be in a place where I, I'm in a you know in a relationship where I feel on mutual ground like as a valued as a human and desired and not less than like always in other sexual relationships it was always I was the lesser one 
And I guess that's how my eating disorder ran parallel to, to my sexual self, I suppose. I realise now how much calmer I am, how I'm able to articulate my feelings. I think Matt and I have a really, uh, really commu- communicate really well with each other. There have been, there are things that come up and we talk about them. Resent- I hopefully, you know, I'm just about to move in with him, which is quite a big deal for both of us. But hopefully if we talk about it and our feelings, that will help smooth the path. But I, you know, just in all sorts of relationships, I was just never able to articulate how I felt because I never felt like my voice really, my opinion really mattered. I was always, I guess, um, the quiet one. I am by nature quite a quiet person, but I would never, even when I thought I hadn't done something wrong or, you know, I'd always apologise and I'm a people pleaser and, and that means and inevitably end up being like a doormat. And now, you know, I can say to Matt or like, you know, that's not okay or, but in a way that we don't argue or have screaming matches and so all those things, I've built up my confidence. So I guess all the things I learned in America is about how to be in the world as a human being, whereas I just didn't know how to be a human being in the world. Like, and I only knew how to be in my eating disorder. Our guest Laura has spoken a lot about having an eating disorder. She even set up a support community for people affected by EDs. You can find it by searching online for Jixi. We're all negotiating our lives, including our sex lives, within the context of our own mental health. But for Laura, having an eating disorder really killed her libido. It messed with her love life for a long while. Even though she's used to reflecting on her mental health, telling her story today and talking about her sexuality has been a real challenge. This is probably the hardest one I've probably talked about because it's like far more intimate, I suppose. But actually, it feels quite freeing to say I didn't have an orgasm until I was like 30 and why. And, you know, I've never, you know, to say that I'd never even masturbated or that my boyfriend bought me like a sex toy or something is like so, <laughs> so at the same time, it's like really difficult and I'm cringing sitting here telling you. At the same time, it's like really empowering because I wish someone had talked to me about this or tried to talk to me about it before. Um, because like having sex is just like part of life and it's, huge no-no area when you're having your eating when you're in your eating disorder so I feel like I'm almost making up for lost time in a way not just by having I mean not by having lots of sex but feeling comfortable with my body in that way and feeling like a woman like I really wanted to be a child for so long because I was terrified about all the things that of being a woman would become but actually being a woman is so much better like just being in life is so much better so no, I never, I never thought I would be here talking about this and feeling okay about talking about it. I really think it's not that cliche. You have to be okay on your own before you can be with someone else. I'm not entirely sure I buy into that whole thing. I think you definitely have to be in a place where you are kind of in tune with yourself a bit more and not like on some other planet like I was when I was in my eating disorder. But someone, you know, in this world, we are kind of, human beings that like interaction and, and contact with other people and being in a relationship is, is something that I don't feel I need I think if you need it or you're craving it instead of just wanting or waiting for the right person then that's not really the that's never going to be sustainable I actually grew to be okay on my own I spent out of treatment I spent you know a good maybe two years kind of on my own enjoying life and discovering myself and being back present in the world and that gave me the confidence and also the ability to know what I wanted in someone 
for like long term or you know to be on the same page as someone and meeting Matt was just completely random and I we didn't you know it's taken a long time for us even to you know move in with each other and took a long time for our relationship to grow he had come from a you know long-term relationship and it took him a long time for him to tell me he loved me and stuff so the whole thing has been quite organically grown which I've really enjoyed and I don't think you know if I'd met him a few years ago five years you know five years ago I don't think it would have worked because I I just wasn't in the right zone or the right place. I didn't know enough about myself. So I would definitely say being, you have to be really careful when you're in recovery that you're, going, you're, you're, you're wanting to be with someone for the right reason and not just to fill a void of feeling like you need to be needed and you need that attention, which is what an eating sort of desperately craves. So know that you're okay and you're in and that someone, if you meet someone, they're a compliment or they're like a bonus to part of you so that you can give, otherwise you're not able to give what they need a relationship is a two-way thing and they need things from you and you have to be able to be resilient at times and you know take rejection or hurtful you know th- you know you just don't know things come up in relationships and if you're not strong enough in your sense of self then those things could possibly put you back into recovery in, into a relapse so yeah I would definitely say wait and be strong enough in your recovery to know what you want and that you found the right person for the right reasons and communicate with them like you know rewiring my brain is almost like i spoke arabic for like so long in an eating store and now i have to learn to speak english and you have to articulate how you're feeling about you know anything when you're eating or you know with, with your partner and um they don't get it they're not meant to get it they get it to a point but you have to <laughs> you have to help them out as well so really talk to them about things and don't keep it to yourself and i've had to learn to do that because sometimes i I, I have a tendency to bottle things up and now I generally kind of talk to him and say this is, you know, this is how I'm feeling and that really helps, so yeah. Thanks for listening to My First Time, a mostly sexy sex podcast from Broadly. And thanks to our guest, Laura. My name is Zing Sing and I'm the UK editor at Broadly. This episode was produced by Sam Bonham, If you're into what we're doing, please tell a friend. Rate and subscribe when you get a sec. And of course, be sure to check out the article on Broadly featuring Laura. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.